This is Exceptional Voices, a podcast shining a light on businesses that champion inclusive recruitment and hire people with lived experience of the criminal justice system. Hi, I'm Adriana Pace, Director of The Exceptionals, an award-winning social change campaign that opens doors for employers to hire people with convictions. We support and empower employers to change the way they recruit. There are several forward-thinking employers willing to take on prison leavers, but they don't necessarily know where to start. This podcast explores prison leaver employment across a range of commercial sectors, from the established to the unexpected. Each conversation follows the employer's journey, from initial interest all the way through to a successful hire, as well as the meaningful relationships built by the experience. We celebrate outstanding examples of best practice to inspire other businesses to consider hiring from this talent pool and create richer, more inclusive work environments. Businesses want to employ the very best people, people with different life experiences who bring diversity of thought to problem solving and innovation. This special episode for National Inclusion Week, recorded at The Conduit in Covent Garden, is about diversity and inclusion in the workplace from a prison leaver perspective. Building a diverse workforce that is inclusive of people with convictions may be challenging at first, but with specialist guidance and support, it can work well, generating huge benefits for businesses and employees alike. In this episode, we'll hear from three brilliant organisations who have all found opportunities to shift the way they think about recruitment. Zara Easton heads up brand marketing for LinkedIn. Zara recently worked on a pioneering initiative in partnership with Social Enterprise Inside Out, which launched with a pop-up store in Westfield Stratford, the UK's first ever clothing brand, created, designed and hand-produced by young prison leavers. Annie Gale oversees the Raw Talent Programme at Cook. Raw stands for Ready and Working. The programme supports people from underrepresented groups into meaningful, sustainable employment. Annie believes in people's potential, whatever their past, to do a fantastic job. Shauna Devlin is Diversity and Inclusion Lead at specialist digital agency Fat Beehive. Her work in prisons, as part of groundbreaking coding initiative Code 4000, has allowed her to influence and promote diversity in the tech sector. Workplace diversity and inclusion is an increasing area of focus for businesses large and small. In fact, a global diversity and inclusion survey of businesses and human resource leaders by PwC saw 87% state diversity as a priority area for their organisation. We started by asking all the panellists what diversity and inclusion meant in their workplace. Zara began the conversation. So um, LinkedIn's like global mission is about creating economic opportunity for every member in the workforce. And generally, that's one of the reasons why I really love my job, because there's several initiatives that we work in, work across, um, as well as talking to professionals. We have um, lots of different partners that we work with. So from a thousand black interns is a key partner for us as well. And we worked on equity partnerships for women. Um, so we sponsored the Women's Euros. We do public things, which is really part of my role as working in marketing. But the Inside Out project um, in particular that I worked on came to work with prison leavers. And it was something that we felt that we could really make a difference with. So whilst we have lots of internal initiatives about diversity and inclusion, as you know, uh, a 
a platform now that's leading the way in professionals and the conversations that we're having, we um, really try and demonstrate that as much as possible externally as well and try and inspire other companies to do the same. Thank you. Annie, your thoughts? We at Cook, we have um, some values that we hold really, really tightly to. And one of them is called be part of our family. And so for us, um, diversity and inclusion is about turning up to work and being part of something, being accepted just as you are. So everybody should be able to come to work and be themselves. Because when we're ourselves, we're our most happy and we're therefore most effective. So yeah, turning up and being welcome, whoever you are, whatever your past, whatever your background, whatever you believe. Shauna? Um, to me, fair sort of um, diversity and inclusion in the workplace means that we need to recruit on a fair basis and our selection must be reasonable and just. Um, we are committed to promoting diversity inclusion internally and externally. So we do promote a culture that um, values people's differences and recognises that people from different backgrounds can bring valuable insights to the workplace and the way that we work. So Annie, um, only 20% of prison leavers are in employment within a year of release. What motivated Cook to open your recruitment to include people with convictions through the Raw Talent Programme? That is an excellent question. So, um, again, as a business, we've always believed that doing good business is about more than simply turning a profit for the shareholders. That's important, of course, especially if they're listening. <laughs> but for us, doing good business is about, is about um, leaving the place and the people we work with and in a little bit better than we found them. And so we've always known that. And then, um, and then when it comes to recruitment, you know, prisons have great people. We need great people. It seemed like an obvious, obvious thing to do. And that's when about eight years ago is when we started to do it officially. But for our 25 years, which is how long we've been around, we've always been really open to and keen to offer people a job who, who might kind of struggle to get one with about, without a bit of support. So yeah. Zara, what influenced your thinking around diversity and inclusion and inspired LinkedIn to support young prison leavers through the Inside Out Clothing Project? Yes, I think it goes back to um, our mission, but just the, the drive to create a more equitable workforce. So when looking at partners, we were really looking for uh, those underrepresented groups, essentially, that need that extra support. Um, and yeah, I think when this opportunity came up for Inside Out, it was the two founders actually reached out to me on LinkedIn <laughs> and it was and it was something we were already thinking of. And it just felt like a perfect fit to start supporting an organisation and using the skills that we have also at LinkedIn, because we've got access to all of the training, how people can show up on the platform, how you can meet connections. So it felt like a very genuine partner to, and someone to work with that we could actually make a difference with. And Shauna, can you tell us a bit more about Fat Beehive's approach to inclusive recruitment and your work with Code 4000? Um, so within Fat Beehive, we do tend to use channels such as 10,000 black interns as a method of recruitment from a different platform. We are sort of taking on board lots of creative, talented individuals who are looking to sort of immerse themselves into tech. I previously work at Code 4000 as their regional manager and they provide lots of workshops in the UK, HP Humber, HP Homehouse and HP Wandsworth. Um, so we upskill people with computer programming skills and it just seemed like the right fit. So my work with Fat Beehive has sort of encouraged us to sort of recruit from a different sort of uh, talent pool. It's been great. So Annie, over two-fifths employers say hiring prison leavers has increased the diversity of their employees. 
How do we build work environments that are inclusive of people with lived experience of the justice system? Can you kind of share specific examples of support you've put in place? Yeah, so we were talking about this just before, actually. One of the big things I feel is just a mindset, just a bit of an open mind. James is nodding. So when you turn up to work, whatever background you've had, it's a new job. You want to be part of something. You want to be accepted. And some of it, I know this isn't very business-like, but it's, it's good old-fashioned love. <laughs> if you kind of show a bit of love, we call it care. One of our values is care. And if you care about the people around you and you accept them as they are, you've jumped, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing we can offer, I think. Um, so we, we make, we work really hard on that with our raw talents. Great, because obviously within your existing team, do you instill these values of providing a very warm welcome? Exactly, and the culture of the organisation and the leadership are two super important parts of this. It doesn't work if like the raw talent person says, here, you have this person, they've just left prison crack on. You know, everybody's got to be on side. We make sure, we really try to put people in a good, strong team with a great manager, like Jane will tell you about shortly. But, you know, if someone's joining through raw talent, so maybe they've been in prison or they've been homeless, they've been out of work for whatever reason, they've got to land really well. Um, I think we learned that from prep. We learned most of what we know from other people, by the way. <laughs> no shame in sharing. Absolutely. Um, thank you. So, Shauna, 94% of tech employers believe that there's an industry-wide skill shortage. What do you see are the benefits to your organisation and the wider tech industry in working with this community? I do feel like with the nature of computer programming and in the tech sector, um, the nature of the job, you do work independent quite a lot and you do work as part, like, as a part of a wider team as well. And I do feel like some prison leavers might find that beneficial to actually work independently. And then there's an, there's an extra option to actually have that support network of a team around you as well. Um, they, were, they could probably thrive from remote working and hybrid working. Um, it's just working with that individual and assessing that on a case-by-case -case basis to see what their strengths are. Sarah, how did LinkedIn support young people to build points of connection? You mentioned that earlier, um, for the future through the Inside Out clothing kind of project. Yeah, so the actual project took place over two months um, and we worked yeah, in numerous stages to create this fashion brand. And really the message across all of those touch points was everyone you meet along the way, you need to be connecting and you need to be talking with them and creating great rapport because you're meeting all these brilliant people through this programme. So how do you really, um, yeah, how do you make the most of this opportunity? And as we were speaking about this earlier as well, but I think the main part of that as well was also about confidence. Actually, learning from the project is that jumping straight into this slightly different world is was, was a lot to begin with. So how do you actually build confidence to begin with and make them feel comfortable to have those conversations? Because it can be quite daunting for anyone. You know, it's daunting coming here today, but it's daunting for anyone to meet new people. So we really focused on that, like how to build these relationships. And if you're following up and you're um, putting the effort in as well, people are going to come back to you. And that's very much been the case from the whole programme. And from an employer perspective, there's a lot of perceived risk around hiring from this talent pool. Can you share your experience? How did your organisation manage this? I love it. Perceived risk. That's an important word. So there is. So risk is a big thing for for all all of us. Um, the way we did it was 
Our chief executive, Rosie, walked into the kitchens and said, hey, we're going to hire people who are leaving prison. And everyone said, no, we're not going to do that. That's a terrible idea. And so it was about it was about asking questions and listening and putting in place some boundaries within which people felt comfortable and safe. Because a lot of people have been a victim of crime and understandably were nervous. Um, so, so put in place some things that are that, that feel safe for you as an employer and keep talking and keep listening and then those boundaries might change. In our case, they've, they've widened out and relaxed in some cases and they've tightened in in other cases. Um, but it's got to be what works for you and works for the teams because like everybody's got to be on side. Um, but the other, the other thing is about getting educated on what is risk and what isn't. The perceived risk is so much greater than the actual risk. It just is. We know stuff about these people, and because we know stuff, we can support them really well. Um, but on the other hand, we're also, we're also making sure we know things because it's, it keeps the existing community safe. We'll talk to probation officers, we'll talk to, we're, we're talkers and listeners. That's, <laughs> That's how we do it. So how is your employment of prison leavers and introducing them into your workforce, how's that been received by your existing team um, and, and other partners? Well, it's really interesting because whilst there's nervousness, was, was nervousness at the beginning, what we tend to find now is people love it because it's a really good thing. We love it. We're really proud of it. And we've had people come and interview for roles in the ops team or the finance team, nothing to do with raw talent. And when asked, why do you want to work at Cook? They say, because you've got that raw talent thing. We want to work for a good business. So doing good business attracts good people, it keeps good people. And we find if there are people who don't support it or like it, generally speaking, they don't, they're, if they're the ones who don't hang around. <laughs> and the more people know about it, the more they're comfortable with it. And you know, if we're confident in what we're doing and we're growing in that all the time, then, we, then other people can trust it. It's, you know, it get, it's solid, isn't it? So sorry, I guess just building on this is how can, what opportunities are there to use like the power of social media and platforms like yours to support employers to not only diversify their recruitment, but also to kind of celebrate where they are thinking differently? Yeah, so I guess the, the Inside Out project itself was really driven to change perceptions as well as supporting people. So that's why... Um, that's why we really wanted to support it from a marketing perspective, but also from a social impact perspective. So making a difference in their lives and also trying to broaden people's perceptions on this. And it absolutely did. And the reason that was because we were sparking conversations. So the most amazing thing was seeing people on LinkedIn every day talking about the shop, going to the shop, supporting people. And our call out to people was to connect with the to connect with the guys who took part in it. Can you connect with them? That's all, that's one very simple thing you can do. And actually keep, like as we were talking about earlier, creating their connections for the future. So Annie, I was just gonna, you know, the Raw Talent Programme has a, had a phenomenal impact, um, supporting over 100 Raw Talents to date. Um, following the employer journey, how do you go from the moment of inspiration to a successful hire and then scaling that approach sustainably within your company? Yeah, this is the, the big question, isn't it? So for me, it's about that one person who's sitting in front of you. 
if you care about that person and you care about their future and you're on side with them, they'll do brilliantly and the numbers will follow. But that said, um, there are things you can put in place. And, and often I think they're things are, as a company, if they're in place, then, you know, uh, the raw talent scheme in our case works. So for example, if you've got a good culture, you've got great policies for looking after people, you've got really good support for when the wheels are wobbling. Um, because because lots of us have stuff that goes on outside work, right? So lots of us have issues with maybe addiction or health issues, mental health, otherwise housing, whatever it might be. If we can help people with those things as an organisation, get some really good support in place, then we're well equipped to look after people who are coming out of prison. So, you know, the exceptionals, we want all your outstanding initiatives to inspire other companies to follow in your footsteps. So I guess my final question to all of you is, what is your biggest piece of advice for employers looking to hire from this talent pool? Um, Shauna, perhaps you could start. From my experience with Code 4000 and helping ex-offenders get into jobs in tech, I really do think it's important to actually bridge that gap between prison and employment. Um, I think it's I think it'd be quite beneficial if employees could actually offer work experience before actually joining the organisation because that brings a sense of comfortability around um, the new starter and the existing employees actually at the organisation. And yeah, just be creative with um, problem solving. Um, so if, say for example, if the new starter can't quite integrate to the new team properly, offer coaching sessions, offer mentoring, and just play to the strengths. That's all I've got to say, really. Sarah, what are your thoughts? The obvious thing is there's a skills gap. Why, why aren't we doing more to help them learn the skills and then find opportunities? So I think the biggest piece of advice is, you know, there is something happening and we can tap into that and actually make a difference. What you find is you'll get different perspectives, different attitudes um, that we all need. And we, and we need it kind of very much um, in, in any business, really. Wonderful. Thank you. And Annie, your final takeaway? Oh, learning. There's so much. There's so much. I wish I could... Uh, Put it all in words. So find good partners if you want to employ. Find good charities who help. Um, link up with probation, prisons, job centres. Um, put good support in place. Um, grit. Bit of grit. If it, it doesn't always work and that's okay, just keep going. Keep trying. Um, and then this is, a, this is learning for us, which we haven't learned yet, but <laughs> offer someone a job while they're still in prison if it's possible. Um, it's it's a big ask for people to come out and you say, hey, come and see us when you're out, because all sorts of things can happen in that first week or two once they leave. So we're only just starting that ourselves, so <laughs> that's, that's one for me. The only other thing we also spoke about earlier was really about spending that time at the beginning when you're working with people who've just been released to build confidence, make sure they know things like time management. Um, you know, that is one of the biggest barriers for them applying for jobs and applying for companies is that kind of understanding as well. So before I open up the questions to the floor, um, I would love to ask a question of James, who's here today, and he's one of the fantastic war talents. Um, so James, can you tell us a bit about your story and what difference having a job has made for you? Well, uh, for, I went to prison in 2020. Uh, I got an 18 months do nine. Uh, I got out four and, after four and a half months on tag. Uh, I was off tag for a few months. I went down to the job centre for a job centre appointment. 
joined the Royal Talent Programme, they're really welcoming, like heartwarming, and all welcomed you when you come in, really nice people. And I've done the Raw Talent Programme, they gave me work experience in the kitchens, which I worked for my troll shift, I worked in prep and I was a chef. So I learned them two different things, so they're two different departments in like two weeks they taught me to work in and I literally, after a few days of working now, I literally picked everything up and literally smashed it. What can I say? <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? Yes. <laughs> but I smashed it, got the job interview. I literally told Cook all about my history because it's better for them to know so they can support me with whatever support I need. And the company has really helped me out in when I've literally needed them in times of need. They've really come and helped me. And they gave me that second chance to employment. And I've been, and it's my first ever proper job. Like I never ever had a job before. My first proper one coming out of prison. And I've held it down for a full year so far. And it's all going on. Thank you so much, James. That's inspiring. Um, right, so um, I'm going to invite some questions from the audience. Yes. Uh, you mentioned earlier about certain boundaries you put in place to allow your other employees to establish trust. I just wondered tangibly what those were. Yeah, so first of all, I would say we're, we hopefully, we're all about individuals as well. There might be 1,600 of them, but they are still individuals. And I personally feel it's really good to treat each person like an individual. But actually, if you're a, if you're a bigger work community and you as a community say no to something, you kind of have to honour that in order to make it happen at all. So it's a, it's a balance you come up with as a, as a group of people. So we employ on a flexible basis, the crew in the event industry. Uh, are you typically trying, is this initiative trying to place people in full-time employment when they leave, or is it a broad mix? I'm just trying to work out if what we have to offer is something that would fit, actually. We try to offer people full-time and permanent, certainly permanent, because it's much more sort of solid and predictable for people um, in terms of accommodation and bills and getting life on track. Hey guys, I'm Francis. I'm from business launchpad um, what we do is we help young entrepreneurs um, fulfill their, their goals by mentoring, coaching, supporting and many more and um, my question for you guys is I wanted to know what does the future hold in terms of what are you guys doing to influence other organisations to have the same drive as you guys? I love that. I totally agree. I feel like it's a really good moment just now because there's a strong push from government for people to leave prison with a job. And there's a strong pull from the, the industry out there because they need people. So this is a really magical moment in time, which might not last very long, where we all have to really go for it. And we just need to, as employers, we're not competing at the moment. Let's grow up a level and, and collaborate and share our secrets and get on with it. So to that end, with Cook anyway, we're running a couple of events coming up. If anyone's interested, find me afterwards. But we're gonna, with Cooks, with Greg's, Timpsons and Cook, we're running two events specifically for employers who are interested in like literally sharing our risk assessment documents, anything, how to do it. Um, the hearts and minds might be there, but kind of what do we actually do? And we are collaborating to, to help other employers do that. I'd say this is the kind of bedrock of our campaign is basically to create a centralised 
resource hub for employers so that you can go and you can um, be inspired by other employers who are doing brilliant work. But also we have a series, we've got a, a fact series of fact sheets, which is just top level thinking, but it's about exploring the employer's journey and all the different points of connections within the prison estate. So lots of people might not be ready to employ quite yet, but might be interested in understanding well, how do I connect with this community and learn more about the skills that are being delivered within prison? Um, and so there's an opportunity with our resource just to get an insight into that. And then we will signpost you in the right direction, people like Offploy, who can then perhaps help you with bridge um, that, that relationship. Um, and also, we really recommend everyone does this in partnership because there are phenomenal rehabilitation organizations out there who are delivering brilliant work in custody and through the gate. And we always say, do this in partnership, collaborate, share, because that is when you get the best outcomes. So that would be my advice from the campaign's perspective. Just going to add as well, um, for LinkedIn, we this is, I guess, more from the job speaker's perspective, but we hope it inspires other companies. There was a product feature we launched um, in the US, which is called the Fair Chance Filter, and it's in pilot. So essentially, it allows you to filter jobs on LinkedIn that are actively recruiting um, people with um, a criminal record. So we're really hoping to bring that to the UK, which I think, which, yes, watch this space. And it's, yeah, something that we're working on in the background. But I think hopefully things like that will actually then inspire other companies to act um, and do the same. My question as an investor is, if the system is kicking you, if mental health is prevalent, we're talking about systemic issue, right? We're talking about having to break some significant patterns down and that takes money and that takes investment. My question as an investor, and it'll be an open one for a while, is how do we help? I, I personally, I don't, I don't speak on behalf of Cook on this one because I haven't really spoken about it. <laughs> but, um, Businesses do could do and should do a very good job of supporting people into work wherever they come from, um, but it's costly, and some support for the employers might not go amiss. I mean, I would say that we need to invest in actually creating an effective online database, which... Um, maps all of the brilliant activities that are going on in prison and through the gate to support people with a criminal conviction and actually have a tangible map so that employers know exactly how to access these groups, who are the groups working in their areas and how to join up effectively because that doesn't exist. It exists kind of in a myriad of people's minds but it doesn't physically tangibly exist and that is something for me that I've been trying to develop since we started this campaign back in 2016 and it is very, very challenging because the boundaries keep shifting. But I think as an investor, I would say that is the key resource because you need to find out how to empower employers through connection. There you go. So thank you all. We'd like to end on a final note from one of our supporters, June Sarpong, Director of Creative Diversity at the BBC. It's important to understand and value different lived experiences and what extra skills a person may have as a result. We need to take the full experience of a person into account when we hire. Look out for the next episode of Exceptional Voices. And in the meantime, connect with us on LinkedIn and consider being an exceptional employer. Until next time, it's goodbye from the Exceptionals team and a massive thank you to all our guests.
The Exceptional Voices podcast is part of the Exceptionals campaign. Find out more at www.theexceptionals.org. Audio production by The Boy in the Corner.